This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. (whistles) Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms supply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. From which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However... When it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. Shopify covers all the sales channels covered, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash podcast free, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash podcast free to start selling online today. Number one, I love Watford. Number yes. two, I love the Watford Observer. And number three, you can't moan about communication. It's when you get a chance, you don't do enough. Oh, oh, Fantastic. Oh, and I do. Leicester City have a penalty kick in the six minutes of injury time. Injury time. Injury time. Look out, takes. Almunia saves. Look out, follows in. Almunia saves again. And now Watford are on the counter-attack. Forestieri. Oh, I don't believe this. Here's Hawk. Dini. I do not believe what I've just seen. Trondini has scored. really kind enough to get in touch when we did the finance podcast a piece on the finances got chatting over the email initially it was and and we went oh this is a gold mine this is a gold mine of, of, of stories to share which is wonderful thank you so much for that but obviously as we start as we said at the start of this your last you know month or certainly certainly your last week <laughs> um you have you have become uh, your, your notoriety and your reputation, and indeed, according to a, a Twitter post, the appreciation of you has gone through the bloody roof. To be quite frank, because yeah, that, that appreciation post, my mum, she she's got to get off Twitter. You know, it's, it's, it's... <laughs> <laughs> you can walk in, you can walk into a, any restaurant in Watford now, and the meal will be free. I'm sure it will be. Let's be let's be honest here, and we can we can maybe have a little bit of a, a talk about the season that has just gone past because obviously that's what frames everything but the disconnect and you kind of referenced a little bit of as we were talking for an awful 
whole lot of people that has been missing. And uh, this podcast has said probably more around moaning about the communication element that has come out than uh, th- than an awful lot of other channels. Let's just leave it at that. The Watford Observer represents that level, and you you reference you know Ollie Phillips. There's there's Terry Chalice. Um, all, all of this stuff that was an amazing level of conduit through to what was going going on in the club, and in the lot, and since those days, and since you moved on, it it never got back to anything approaching that. The reaction online to some of the um, stories that you had put out already had been incredibly positive, but then you went and got an interview you've you've, you know your investigative skills i'm presuming you've managed to get in front of scott duxbury and get a whole host of uh, snippets that have been been released as we're recording this over the last what three or four days now yeah we've started on that'll be coming out tell us what did you think from last season and then obviously you've been i believe a kind of a freelancer so it's a it's a temporary gig at the Watford Observer now, and yeah, then so how did you how did you decide to then kind of go off to get Mr. Duxbury in your in your crosshairs and then come out with what you come out with so that people know? So last last season was just another season for me of being a season to older. I, I you know I've got two sons. I started taking the youngest one when he was seven. He's now going to be twenty one. So that takes me back fourteen years. And you know it was what my dad did. That was my boys' time. Me and the lads on a Saturday, you know, burger chips, game of football. And they, 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 they love it. You know, they love their football. And so buying a season ticket every year. And, and I've got to say, you know, when I tell friends what it cost me to take my two kids to Watford, even though they, they don't support Watford, they're, they're blown away by the fact that, you know, that they're, they're paying as much for one season ticket as I was for three. Yeah. And it just, you know, I, I wanted my boys to enjoy football the way I did. And, you know, you have to set the expectations and say, look, you know, you, you know, I, I've been here when we've been beaten at home by Grimsby and Yeovil, so don't get your hopes up. You know, we might not always be playing against Manchester United, but they took the rough and smooth. Uh, and last year was just, you know, another season. We'd, we'd spent a season watching games on Hive Live. I mean, I probably shouldn't say it, but my eldest son is very good at finding streams and connecting computers to television so that we watch nearly every game that we can't get to online. I mean, it does look sometimes like you're watching it through a rainy window. And they always buffer just as the ball's going towards the penalty area. But, yeah. and, 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 but also, in fairness, uh, oh, I think everybody here, our Arabic has improved significantly since the Mine's excellent. Mine's excellent. I've got to say, some of their games that were very dull sounded far more exciting. Mm. When you to yeah, in a foreign language, it sounds amazing. It sounds amazing. Absolutely. You know, I often wonder sometimes if they were even talking about the game or whether it was just no. too- I, I think they're reading out shopping lists or something yeah. like that. I, just, just something's going on, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, we've gone up and I looked at, our, you know, start of last season. And, and, you know, to be fair, me and my lads and friends of ours, you know, as long as we stayed up, that's what we were looking for. I think you have to be, you know, for Watford, it's always that, well, anything 17th or better is good enough. Yeah. And the first day of the season, people say, when did you think Watford might struggle? And I remember saying to my sons, do you know what? Early on in that first game, we were three up and suddenly yep. three, two. three two. And yep. there was something about what happened between three nil and three two that made me think that maybe the three nil wasn't quite as good as, mm. as it could have been. But even then, I can't say I thought for one minute we'd end up where we were because we weren't that bad. And I always believe there's three teams worse than us. But yeah, quite early on, it became apparent that we weren't all that. I mean, all right, we had the win at Everton, we beat Man United. But, you know, it was never, I, I never thought we were going to 
find it easy. I, similarly, I didn't think we'd end up losing 12 games on the spin at home. No. And I, you know, I'm, I'm just a fan like everybody else. And that's what I've always, you know, I've always been a fan. When I worked at the club, I was a fan. When I worked at the Observer, I was a, I was a fan. I was a fan last season. And, and yeah, I, I was sitting there. I didn't go to all the games, I've got to be honest. For, I, I won't go into it, but I've got lots of little niggly health issues that mean that I sometimes struggle, particularly in cold weather. So I spent a lot of the time um, moaning from my front room watching it on an iPad. But it just, it obviously wasn't good. It wasn't good. And, mm-hmm. and that's when I felt really disconnected. I think, you know, I, I said in a piece that I wrote for the Observer the other day that w- when you're doing well, particularly if you're in the Premier League, you know, you can sell snow to Eskimos. If you put the Premier League logo on it, it sells. And when you're doing well, it papers over a lot of cracks. When you're not doing well, that gives people the chance to focus on the things that aren't so good because if the football's not good, you look for something else. It's a bit like when I worked in the hospitality industry. You know, if you if you go into a hotel room and it's dirty, you also notice that the bath's got scale on it and that the coffee maker don't work and your television remote's got no batteries. If you walk in the room and it's great, you don't look at anything else. So when the football's bad, everything comes under the microscope. And so I felt last season that we just, we didn't know what was going on. Now I'm not... You know, I've worked in comms at the club, obviously. So you don't always tell everybody everything because you can't. But I hadn't got a clue what was happening. I didn't know what the manager thought. I didn't know what the owner thought. I didn't know what the chairman thought. Didn't know what the players thought. Didn't know what we were trying to do. Didn't know where we were going. And I just felt cut off. You know, literally, it felt like I was turning up and watching a team in yellow at Vicarage Road and going home. I just felt totally detached from it. And the, the way I always describe it was, you know, if you don't talk to people as a great, as someone who works in communications, if you don't talk to people, you don't tell them enough, they fill in the blanks for you. And so yeah. in that article, I refer to that round on, um, have I got news for you, where they show you headlines, but they blank out some of the words. Yeah. Um, and it's very funny, but that's how communication is. If, if you don't give all the detail or enough of the detail for people to be informed and you, you keep not telling them in the end, they have a guess at it. And that guess becomes a rumour and that rumour becomes fact because that's what people believe. And I just found last season very frustrating that, you know, we were getting platitudes. It just, it just wasn't what I would have done back in the day. It wasn't what Watford did. It wasn't what I was taught by Graham Taylor. And it, it wasn't getting the coverage that I was taught by Ollie Phillips. So I just found it really frustrating. And yeah, come the end of the season, I was pretty hacked off. And, you know, you always I say, I'm not renewing next season, but we did. And we got our season tickets. And that, as far as I was concerned, I was going to summer off football and freelancing. And I was doing things like uh, PR for um, a holiday company down in uh, Suffolk. And, and then I just happened to notice that the guy who covered Watford for the Observer was leaving. And I thought, well, obviously they haven't hired anybody because I can see they're advertising. So I, I contacted Anthony Matthews, who I used to work with, and said, look, you know, as I'm freelancing, if you need any writing done just to see you over the hump, I'm here and happy to do it. And he said, yeah, we might be interested in that. I'll, um, I'll speak to the editor. And yeah, the editor's interested. Perhaps we can have a conversation. And the editor picked the phone up and very nice and said, um, yeah, we could do with some help. You know, would you consider the job full time? And I said, well, yeah, bound to discuss the terms. And, and when people say, why is it only a short term appointment? The reason is because the market in local media means they just can't pay a salary that yeah. I can pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah mortgage and bills to pay and I can't afford to you know below, drop below a dear, certain... dear god Andrew are you saying that you're human like the rest of us well I think yeah I mean I don't want anyone to think I'm conceited and I'm I'm saying well you know that job's too junior for me or no, 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 no. I deserve a fortune but you know like, like anybody you the, have the, a certain market value you've got a market value yeah like we all have 
go. Yeah. It's not even I put a value on me. It's you know, if I if I that job, if I took it, I couldn't afford to pay the bills, and and so I can't afford to do is that, it. Is that that's that's a full that's a full time role though? That yeah, yeah, it's a full time role that you couldn't afford to take with the Watford Observer to do to do the writing that you're doing. No, I couldn't. I mean, I'm, at the moment, it's Which, really being done on like a freelance basis. And yeah. I mean, and even then, and I'm sure the Observer won't mind me saying, I mean, I, when we started off, it was going to be, I'd do five articles a week. Well, I've done 15 just from the Scott Duxbury. Yeah. <laughs> but that's because, not because I'm a hero, it's because yeah. number one, I love Watford. Number yeah. two, I love the Watford Observer. And number three, you can't moan about communication. It's when you get a chance. Oh, oh, fantastic! Oh, and I just, I just give, I just. Yeah, we're doing this because the listeners oh, can well. join in. Yeah, let's <laughs> just do that. Five stories. I'll see you next Monday. So <laughs> I've gone above and beyond, but that's that's my choice. You know, I, so, think, I think it's also worth saying uh, this 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 little section here is uh, the Watford Observer. Mr. French deserves many many thousands of pounds to do the work <laughs> he's doing because <laughs> let, let's let's be honest, the hits you're getting on social media, you must be loving it. Yeah. Well, I did ask him today, and the message came back that um, the, the the Ben Foster Roy Hodgson story, which I think went up about half nine by early afternoon, it had thirteen thousand hits, and the record for any Watford Observer story is twenty thousand. So you can imagine now, I want to get to twenty thousand and one. Yes. Just so that I, <laughs> I I would love to be doing more of it, but for those reasons, and it's I don't blame the Watford Observer, and it's not their fault. Uh, similarly, they understand that I can't afford to do what they'd like me to do. I had a couple of fans on social media say to me, well, no, could you do it part-time? Um, the answer is, yeah, you could. Would I do it part-time? No, I wouldn't, because I couldn't do it properly. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah and that, that's not me being a hero. It's about commitment. I want to do it. Yeah, do yeah. It. yeah, yeah. You can't, you it's can't it's not that. It's, it's the fact that you wouldn't be able to do 15 when the no. need for communication is 15 oh, stories. I, yeah. You know, put it, with my own professional standards which sounds really grand grandiose but I, I couldn't do it unless I could do it to the standard and the level that I've been taught by Ollie and been taught by the Watford Observer and that, that I think the Watford fans and the club deserve so you can't do it part-time you can't do it day a week I think the minimum you could do it would be three probably four days a week and you've got to bear in mind that one of those is going to be a weekend which takes you out of your family life yeah. a lot so as things stand I can't carry on doing it I will do it until they find somebody else and I will always be there to help them but my view was, while I did it, if I had a beef about communication, if I thought it wasn't good enough, then I had the platform to do something about it. So when I knew I was going to be doing the stuff with the Observer, I picked the phone up to Richard Walker at the club, who, you know, like lifelong friend of mine, I, I, I hired him. When I was working there, he joined the club to work with me. So and we go back beyond that. He used to write for me at the Watford Observer. So we've known each other years. I went to his wedding, good friend. Uh, I had some mental health issues last year and he was one of the first people to pick the phone up no judgment you know come on let's go out let's sort this out and I just said to him look Rich um I've been asked by the observer to do a bit of part-time writing and I think there's a really good chance here to work with the club and the observer and try and build up communications and he was very receptive to it understandably I think he wanted to see the color of my money a little bit you know rather yeah, than, yeah 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 you know, yeah buying into it so I did some pieces with some former players he gave me some information I um, wrote an opinion piece about communications and then I said, look, have a look at what I've done. And if, if you and the club and people at the club think we're going in the right direction, I think it would be nice to have an opportunity to interview Scott because I can't remember the last interview he did. That's not a criticism. I just can't remember it. And the message came back, yeah, he's up for it. You know, he really would like to do it. So I went up there last Friday and um, 
yeah, I hadn't been to the training ground in nearly 20 years. And I'm going to write a piece about that. It's, it's mind-blowing to see what's changed at the training ground. It's If anyone questions, as I have done, what the Pozos have done, then... Facilities-wise, yeah. Go and look at the training ground, because when I was there, it was a load of sort of muddy football pitches with a red brick changing rooms and a building that was a bit like a canteen with a social club on the side. Now, it is state-of-the-art. It is cutting-edge. It is mind-blowing. And no one ever talks about that. And you never hear the Pozos or Duxbury or anyone else picking that up. They talk about it, but they don't overplay it. Believe me, it's incredible. So I walked up there on Friday and I was blown away already. Um, and I met Scott. And all I can say is um, he gave me as much time as I needed. He didn't balk at any question. He already said, you can ask me what you like um, and I will answer it. And I'd, I'd done my homework and tried to go round looking at what the, the common concerns of fans were put myself in the shoes of fans and say okay if I was a fan as I am and I had the chance to ask Scott Duxbury something what would I ask him and obviously come up with quite a long list but I thought well if even if even if I can't dig into detail just by getting the answers to these key questions these things that fans have been asking for many months suddenly they're going to have a, a load of information upon which they can make a judgment and they may not like what they hear they may not agree with it but they can't deny it was there so I sat down with him and literally fired off my questions with with my voice recorder there and, and it was it was nice because he was very relaxed and the first thing he said well first thing he said was I, I read your article about communication in the what was there and there was a pause and I thought Ooh, <laughs> he just said I thought it was excellent I thought it was fair one of the best things been written about a club it was balanced I can tell you care that's why I'm here that's why I'm doing it because we're on the same page and I, I can only say what I found and he was very open I believe he was honest I've no reason to believe not he answered everything. He never looked at his watch. He never tried to hurry me up. He never said, I don't want to talk about that. He never said, turn the tape recorder off. It was the best part of two hours. And at the end of it, I he even said, look, is there anything else you want me to ask me about? You know, I, 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 I've not had access like that since the days of Graham Taylor. Um, I can tell you now, I've not had access like that with a chief executive, I don't think ever, certainly not a chairman. And I, I, at the end of it, I, I think there was a mutual feeling, certainly a feeling that yeah, you know, this could be really mutually beneficial for the club and for the fans and for the Watford Observer and for the town because, you know, I think they, they understood that what I said about communication, what I'd written was, was fair and honest and, and there'd been a breakdown and this mm. was a first step towards it. Can I, can I ask you just to, 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 to cut in, which I'm, I'm guilty of, allegedly? Um, <laughs> Not allegedly, <laughs> you've been picked up. Allegedly, allegedly. Go on. Do you, do you, and I want to just just an honest answer. Do you think the appointment of the manager that they 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 brought in is the realization of the past in the sense of their mistakes and and what's happened? Because obviously, remember the Graham Taylor connection is there. That's been very publicized with the podcasts that have just come out from some other guys. In your opinion, do you think they've now learned from their mistakes and that this is now the turning of a page? Uh, yeah, I do. I think from what they, from what Scott said, there was obviously a feeling last season. I don't know how early that feeling started that chopping and changing managers has taken us as far as it's going to take us. And within that time, it's delivered some good stuff, some very good stuff. We had six mm -hmm. in the Premier League. We got to an FA Cup final. We had two semi-finals. You know, we were there. Were, there's even talk about could we make Europe? You know, that in that yeah. time, in ten years, we had a really good time. But in the more recent of those ten years, we just churned managers and stood still. And 
the thing that sort of came across was by, by changing managers, not only did it make us open to ridicule and stop the fans being proud, but it also meant we never had any consistent message or culture or way of doing things. As fast as we were signing players for manager A and it wasn't working, we then hire manager B who doesn't want manager A's players. So yeah. We want some of manager A's players, just as we've got that sorted, manager B gets to push and manager C comes in who regrets that we'd let go of manager A's players. You can't operate like that. You can't keep a car on the road and keep changing the engine. So I got the distinct feeling that there had been unanimous agreement at the top level that if the owner and Scott and everybody else wants to deliver sustained Premier League football that is successful, then you have to do something different. And I, I know it's overused, but that phrase, you know, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always yeah. get what you always got. Yeah. And I, I do believe that they came to that realisation and went away and said, OK, we need to do things differently and we need to get behind a manager who's going to be here for a while and we're going to let him be here for a while. We're not going to, at the first hint of a problem, say, right, that's it, you're out, somebody else comes in. Because if you do that, then you've reverted back to what you were before. So, yeah, I, I do believe that. With the caveat that I'll believe it more if in October we're mid-table. And, and he's still there. Which is still there. And I'll believe it more when I start to see some of the players coming in. I'm not, you know, and I, I, it's not, I'm not, I don't disbelieve Scott, but obviously your own, you know, your words are only as good as the deeds that follow. And if, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, if, if we sign some players that are completely random that I've never heard of, that, you know, when you look at it, you think, well, that doesn't look like a player that would fit into Rob Edwards' system then I might be a bit more doubtful. But until those things have happened, I can only go on what I was told on face value. Mm. I mean, it wasn't like Scott was sat there telling me it with his fingers crossed, you know, or... Yeah, like, yeah. It wasn't, it, you know, he, he was reasonably plausible and believable and passionate, and I, I've no reason to disbelieve him. Saying on social media, you know, whether well, they could have realised it years ago. Yeah, I could have realised years ago that, you know, eating a lot of fatty food was going to make me fat. And it has, but I still did it. Now, now yeah, yeah, yeah. I regret eating that fatty food, but I really enjoyed it along the way. Yeah, yeah. I do accept I might have to change my ways. We all regret that we don't make decisions sooner. And I'm sure there's people at the club who look back and go, we could have done it then, we could have done it then. I can't change it. That's happened. Mm. That's the past. That's gone. The only thing they can influence is the future. Had I gone there on Friday and been given answers about, you know, where we go again... And, you know, we, we found this manager from the Portuguese second division who you know, knows his stuff. And I'd have been sitting there thinking, yeah, I've heard that before. And when yeah. I hear people saying, you know, I've heard what Scott said before, I, I don't think I have. Because a lot of what he said to me and, and stuff we've run aren't messages he's given out before. They're, you know, when he talks about, you know, we're going to support him come hell or high water. And, you know, he's got the final say on signings. And we want we want Rob to be the, at the forefront of the club and set the tone for the culture and be the figurehead and be the communicator. All I hear, and perhaps it's being romantic, is is the way Graham Taylor used to operate. Yeah, Graham yeah. Taylor, you know, Taylor 2.0. Everything yeah. that's done on the club, he spoke for the club on a lot of areas. But also, what I would say is Scott's also saying, well, when it comes to things where Rob can't or isn't the person to talk to, when it's stadium development or say season tickets or finances, I'm happy to talk to the media, but I don't think I should be the everyday contact. I want a manager that the media associate with and the fans associate with, and he's given a, a message to the fans and the media and the players and the club that's aligned. So when we hear Rob talk, there's no shocks, no surprises. 
He's saying what we all expect him to say, and he's saying it to everybody. And then if you need someone to come and talk about season ticket prices, I'll do it. If you need someone to come and talk about the academy, then we'll get Richard Johnson out. But Rob Edwards would be the man. And that's how Graham was. Graham spoke 70, 80% of the time. And then when he wasn't the person, out would come John Alexander or whoever was running the academy at the time, and they'd talk about it. And that sort of smacked to me of how Watford was when I was there. And that gave me heart. Now, obviously, you know, if in pre-season we're fielding a team of players that we've never heard of and come October we're mid-table and Rob's gone, then I might look like a right idiot and, you know, I, I might be very gullible for be it, believing it, but I've no reason not to believe it. And as a fan, I almost feel, you know, if I don't believe it, then what's the point of turning up? Because, you know, yeah. I've, got, I've, got, I've got to back whatever they're doing. You know, completely I, agree I, with that. Yeah. I never went last season when we were playing really badly, hoping we were going to lose because it would prove a point. I wanted us to win every game and it hurt when we didn't win, but I still went and supported. I've only, I can only believe what I was told on Friday. I, 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 I do believe that they have decided that they've gone as far as they can with the old model. And the way forward is a young manager who sets the tone, signs off on things, has control over things, talks for the club and is supported by people who back him. And mm. that's what I came away thinking on Friday. Now, maybe wrong. And I'm sure when this podcast comes out, you'll get people going, oh, he's just another, you know, Pozzo lover. And I've never met Gino Pozzo. I don't even know what his voice sounds like. But, yeah, you know, the fact that I had two hours, no holds barred with Scott on Friday, the fact that since then I've gone back and said, look, I've read some of the fans' comments and there's some things there that are genuinely good points I'd like to put to you. Yeah, fine. Let me know. We'll arrange it. So it wasn't like it was a one-off. And he wants to do that. To be fair to him, he hasn't found or got the media vehicle that allows him to do it. So as you said, back in the day, it would have been the Watford Observer and, you know, you'd have had that relationship. But for whatever reason, Scott and various managers haven't had that relationship. I think if he could have that relationship, as we found on Friday, we would get a lot more out of the club. I think the manager will do a lot more at the moment. They just haven't got that vehicle because the relationship with the Watford Observer isn't there. Hopefully, I can put some foundations down. But at the moment, they haven't got a reporter or a media outlet that they feel they can trust. If I can do something about that in this period of time, good for everybody, good for the club, good for the fans. Sports Social, now on the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, I'm Ashley Blaker, and I'm hosting a new season of the comedy panel show, Never Write Off the Germans, in partnership with my diesel claim. Join me and my esteemed comedy guests as we discuss all that's ridiculous with the greatest show on earth this winter in a host nation with domestic football equivalent to the Isthmian League South. We'll guide you through the tournament covering everything that's funny with the countries taking part. Whether you're a diehard fan... Or an occasional bandwagon jumper just supporting your home nation until they're embarrassingly knocked out by Iran. Listen on the Sports Social Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. But remember, never write off the Germans. But in the meantime, what it has done is allowed the fans to make a decision without any blanks in the headline, as my reference earlier. So here's all the stuff. You can read it. You can disagree with it. You can agree with it. You can love it. You can hate it but you can't deny it's there and you can't moan you weren't told. So, yeah, if, if that's if that's been useful to the fans, um, then that's great because I've loved doing it. And um, there's still some more to come. And 
you know, every, every day, I, the, the biggest thing was I, I sat there with all these stories and I thought, well, I don't know which one's the best because there's so many good stuff there. There's so many bits, you know, I knew the one about Foster and, and Hodgson today would. would yeah. Um, yeah. That, I mean, that, that, I think that needs a, a little bit of comment. And we, and we talk about attitudes surrounding the club and, you know, and, and, and those two kind of fall into that, you know, as much as anything. I, I, I follow Watford all over the country, home and away. Um, and I was at Crystal Palace with the Roy Hodgson gate, as I'll call it, where it was too far to come and um, applaud the fans. And, and Ben Foster's antics over the, over the not, not just this season, to be honest with you. You know, the, 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 there's been a couple of seasons. And, and to read your, your, your piece kind of opens your eyes to it all. And I, and I think it's kind of refreshing to, to now have this and to, to be reading this because it has been a... a not a media blockout, but we've had nothing from the club. You know, when we've been complaining about Ben Foster, about the, the, the Mo Salah incident, I don't know if you guys recall that, where it was like Mo, Mo Salah's a... Well, it was the Paddy Pimlet thing as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was and, and the, the, the whole, just, just the whole thing as a, as a fan, I'm just like, mate, we've lost 5-0, you know? that That's not anything to be gloating about on your, on your YouTube channel. And, and the, just the whole thing just... It just felt wrong. It had just gone from from being something that was quite cool and quite clever to being something very negative to us as a team and as, as a club. And I, I, I was there as a fan that day, and I remember the Liverpool game. And you know, I, I, the only difference between me and the three of you is I've had the chance to ask those questions to someone. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm never scared of asking those questions, but you're always going with a bit of trepidation as to you know how's this going to go, and. Mm. It was the interview was a bit of a shit sandwich where you start off with some. <laughs> My favourite saying. Yeah, you, you do a few nice ones, then you throw in the real horrible stuff, and then you finish up with the oh, and by the way, you know, isn't the shirt lovely? Um, but I knew at some point I wanted to address those, but because I'd been told, you know, you can ask anything, I felt okay. Well, and and to be honest with you, my my what I would have done had I asked the question and was told I'm not prepared to answer that, then I would have written a piece that said this is the question I asked, and Scott mm. declined to comment. And I'd like to think they wouldn't have stopped me doing that because there's no point saying I'm going to be open and honest if you then say, well, you can't tell people you asked that question because it really not yeah. yeah. But we never had to do that. Um, and the, the, the re- I mean, there was lots of things I could have asked about last season, but I didn't want it to turn into a, a really long, painful autopsy as well because, you know, as I said earlier, you can't change it. And we all know how bad it was and we don't need reminding, but there were just those two things just really, you know, ground my gears at the time. So... The thing, the thing with Ben Foster, I'm not cool. I don't really watch much YouTube. I don't. I only found out who the sidemen were through this. You know, I don't really get it. And I have to say, during the, the championship season, when we were all watching on video screens, you know, mm-hmm. that content was was great. And I should imagine there was a lot of fans who really found that informative. I did. It was good. You know, and great, very clever, wonderful that he did that. I just think when you get into the Premier League and things are a little bit more serious, and and also you're not doing so well. You have to read the room a little bit and say, mm, "Is this the right thing to do? Am, am I am I going to make any more friends, or am I going to upset people?" And my my view on, on a lot of the videos were that if you weren't a Watford fan, and if it had been another team and someone else's player, we'd have all thought it was great, absolutely hilarious. You know what what banter this is, but because it was Watford, and because we just sat through another defeat, and because it's the club we love, to then see someone who who plays for the club, not you know, I. I it just felt wrong. It just felt wrong. And I would say, I don't, I don't think it affected his performances one jog. I don't buy into that. I don't think someone goes out on a Saturday and thinks, you know, they're distracted because they're thinking about videos they're going to make. You know, that 
these players are too professional. I, you know, even even players people aren't playing well, they're still professional. So I don't think it affects his performances. I think where it was wrong was it was just you know, have a look, take a step back. Is this the right thing to do? And I just sat there and I found it really cringeworthy when you've got you know people taking the Mickey out of us and you know videos of Ben Foster and people talking about how he loves ketchup and you know this boy's a ledge and all that sort of thing. You know I, I'm 50, so it felt odd to me. He's 39 and he's knocking about with a group of blokes who are in their 20s. You know, I know if my son and his mates, if I went down there and started to try and be cool with them, I'd be laughed out of it. <laughs> yeah, off you go, granddad, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, as I say, I'm not going to criticize. He, he's a great goalkeeper and he was a great servant to the club and, he, you know, very good ambassador. But those particular videos irked me. So I wanted to ask about those. And then the Roy Hodgson thing, Again, I didn't go to the game, but I watched it um, on a hooky feed. And I just remember at the end of the game, they panned him because obviously we've been relegated and they panned him. And I just remember this image of Roy sort of like high-fiving and slapping Wilfred Zahar on the back. Now, you know, if you're going to pick a player that you don't do that to, he's right up there. You know, I can't think of He is the pantomime villain, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't have mattered who it was. It could have been. It could have been someone I didn't even recognise. The fact that it, it was a, a Palace player, and the fact that there's high fives and back slapping, and they're all laughing. You know, I'm not expecting him to be. What I'm expecting is a bit of respect. You know, don't yeah. look, look look unhappy because your team's just been relegated. Look 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 serious. Look unhappy, and your first thought should be. I've got a load of players out there who've just been relegated and I've got X thousand fans in the corner who've paid good money to come and watch us be relegated. And let's be honest, we went down without fight. You know, it was, it was a bit of a white flag waving exercise. I just found that really unprofessional. And because I've worked with some good managers in, you know, Taylor, uh, Roy, uh, sorry, Ray Lewington, and then Alan Kirby at Charlton, you know, that, I, I just knew they wouldn't have done that and it wasn't the norm. And then when I saw him doing the clapping the fans and all that sort of thing, and then when I read... It's a long way to go over. You know, I mean, I've been to Sellers Park. It's 50 yards to the It's not the biggest ground in the world, is it? No, no. And even, even if you don't want to, I mean, you know, may, maybe, putting myself in Roy's shoes, maybe you thought, if I go over there, I'm going to get pelters. Mm. Maybe it, all right, go to the halfway line and clap in their direction. But don't ignore us. And then don't, don't say something like, it's too far to go, because that just makes it worse. You know, that's, that's just rubbing salt in an open wound. So, yeah, that's why I picked those two subjects. And I thought, well, if I was a fan, they're the things I'd want. I may not have got that right. It may have been other questions I could have asked, but they were the two that if I thought I'm going to pick moments from last season, they're the two. And to be fair, when I asked them, yeah, there was a bit of an intake of breath, but I think there was a realisation that something like that might come up. And what you read was what Scott said. And someone said to me on social media today, it felt very sanitised. It wasn't. There's been no editing of it. I did the interview on Friday. I then didn't touch it until Sunday morning. And I spent six hours transcribing it. And I transcribed it word for word. There was no, oh, he didn't mean to say that. There was no, I think he should have said that differently. I just transcribed it word for word. And it came to about 5,700 words. And so I didn't sanitize it. I didn't change it. I didn't edit it. I made it into different pieces. Because obviously, in the course of two hours, you talk about a lot of things. Yeah. A lot of people have said, well, why have you broken it down? Well, because I don't believe anyone can read 5,000 words. It's too and much. And, and, and keep, yeah, mm. keep, uh, yeah, you know, exactly. 100%, you know, yeah. Because there was so, not because I did it. There, I, I came away thinking there's so much good stuff here. I don't want any fan to miss any of it. It's not yeah. for my ego. I don't, I, don't, I don't care, you know, whether you do it in one piece or 15 pieces. But as a fan, I don't want you to miss any of it. So I want it broken down to chunks 
so that you can see it all. So that's why we broke it down to chunks. But I didn't change any of it. I didn't, you know, there was no, you know, no sort of, it, it wasn't whitewashed. It was Scott's answers. And in fact, a lot of the time, I didn't even leave the questions in that I asked because I thought, well, it reads so well, I don't need to put my question. He's just moved from one section to another really smoothly. The only thing I did was where I wasn't sure that I'd either heard him properly or that when I read it, had I got it in the right context, I shared those bits to say, have I got this right? So as a, for instance, when we were talking about finance, he kept talking about the number 23 and I thought he was talking about a figure, but that's a finance company that was involved in something. It didn't mm -hmm. actually make it in the end because it had no bearing on it. But had I not done that, we'd have had this random number 23 that mm. I yeah. I thought fair. I would never give anybody copy approval because that's propaganda and that's not what journalists do. But I also want to be accurate and fair. And if someone gives me two hours of their time and they speak for two hours, there's probably a chance in those two hours they may have said something that I missed or that I could have misconstrued or that upon reflection they they could say it in a better way. And to be fair to Scott, a couple of things that, that came back were actually additions that made it even more interesting. So Nothing was taken out, bits were added in. Added, but yeah. I reckon of 5,700 words, if we altered 100, it's a lot. We added some in, and I say I changed some bits to make it correct. But they, And the reason I asked those two questions were they were the two that I thought were the, the most important in terms of last season. I mean, I didn't see any point in mulling over anything else, but I knew that they would also get picked up by lots of media, and um, they have. Um, I don't know whether, you know, Ben Foster or Roy Hodgson will say anything, but that's their choice. But I thought, as a fan, I would like to ask the questions that other fans would like to ask. And I'm sure some fan quite quickly would have said, what was going on with Ben Foster's YouTube, YouTube channel? What did you think of Roy Hodgson and Crystal Palace? That's why I asked it. Yeah, brilliant. I think, I, think, I mean, bearing in mind, I mean, I referenced earlier on, we, we run a Twitter spaces, which is like, basically, it's like an old-fashioned phoning um where we just try and get people's thoughts comments opinions we don't ask for questions or anything it's just what do you think post game and of all of the articles that i've seen thus far um that, that, that have been released today i don't know if there are any more left to come out they pretty much summarize a lot of the things that our contributors have been asking it's been about you know kind of well you know the the Ben Foster and and the link to the attitude piece. Hearing from Scott Duxbury directly and being able to articulate that is a step in the absolute right direction. I right think direction. Every, yeah. everybody in terms of you know the appreciation tweet, including the ones that your mother has sent out, uh, some of those the vast 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 majority are absolutely genuine because we needed to kind of hear from it. I think one of the things that obviously we then also kind of talked about because both Justin and Carl were present at the supporters committee as it ended up being called um whereby you know that there were there was some confusion going on around that there was a, a poor piece of execution from the commerce department to be quite frank there um throw, throwing a lot of people under the bus but if we rewind back earlier on to to the back end of last week uh from the rookery end wd18 and the athletic all had interviews with rob edwards and everything was rob edwards wall-to-wall -wall of the communication point to the point almost of exhaustion those three guys by the way did great jobs and and um i think i, I was listening to, to sam uko on sunday and he was absolutely spot on when he said it was it was the best kind of uh interview or, or launch interview of a manager for a long time because it came from three different perspectives and they did it and that was great mm. but but 
after your stuff came out on Monday with regard to Scott Duxbury, the whole the whole news cycle has moved on. And that's credit to you in terms of exactly what you've done and how you've done it. But hopefully the cumulative weight of both the fan stuff that was that was done there and the addition of what you're what you're hopefully showing, which is that there's a there's a routine to get some transparency out of the club because all of those individual things, the, the the umbrella that goes right across it is a lack of transparency and a lack of understanding and a lack of communication. If that's going to come out and be become the case out of this, then all, all power to you and, well, and, and thank you so much. I certainly believe there is a desire there. As I said, I think the, the main problem is there's not a lack of desire on the club. The club just has to find someone to work with that it trusts. We were very fortunate at the Watford Observer and at Watford to have Oliver Phillips, who, you know, he understood. And and what you're seeing now with me is what he taught me. So, you know, it's, we've a lot to, I've got a lot to be grateful to him for, as have Watford fans. So if you're liking what I'm doing now, it's because I was well taught. That, that certainly was where I was coming from. You know, I just thought that that's how it should be done. It should be done forensically with the fans in mind. And there is a desire to do more of that. But, you know, if you're going to be open and honest, then you have to have someone you can trust. And I think the problem for the club is at the moment, they don't know that they have that. They haven't found that. And I, I you know, as I say, I'm probably not going to be at the Watt Reserve for, for many, many more weeks. I don't know who's going to come in. But again, you've got to build that relationship. It's going to take some time. Whether yeah. we can find a solution to it in the meantime, I don't know. But, you know... Is there an opportunity, though, for you in the short term, perhaps, to have an interview with... Um, Cristiano Gioretta, for example, or perhaps Mogi Bayat, or who knows, Gino Pozzo, who I suspect probably sounds a bit like, you know, Joe Pasquale personally. At least he does no, in my head. I, I, no, I, I'm funny. I always like to hear people's voices and see a picture of them before I talk to them. So I'll have to, if I did ever get that. So part of the reason, part of the reason I got to talk to Scott was because just as after I, or just before I arrived on the scene at the Observer, those interviews that you talk about with the fans groups and with the athletic mm-hmm. set up, so my first question was, okay, is the Watford Observer game, Rob? And I came at that from, that's what we'd have expected back in the day. But obviously yep. there's no relationship there now. So it was, no, we, we've organised those. Let's see the colour of what you do. We did it. I've got Scott. Now my next question is, okay, I've spoken to Scott. I'd now like to talk to Rob at some point, just so that from a journalist's point of view, I've got all these comments about Rob made by your chairman. I now want to talk to Rob to see if he says the same thing. Does that make sense? So yeah, yeah. I want to hear from you. You want to corroborate it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Not that I don't trust Scott, but it obviously is a much better message if the the people involved say the same things. So if, if I go to, if I speak to Rob and I say, Rob, you know, um, is that right that you're going to be signed off from transfers? Yeah, totally. What you don't want is Rob going, well, that's not the case. Yeah. I don't think it will. I think they they are genuinely working in that way. So I'd like to speak to Rob. Um I'm hoping to speak to Richard Johnson because I'd like to talk about the academy because, you know, if we're going to develop young players and, and field homegrown players, then something's got to change because I, I just did some research the other day and the last homegrown player to reach double figures in starts is Jonathan Bond. Yes. That's wow. a long time ago. And I'm trying to remember the exact numbers, but since then... I think there's been 24 appearances by players who were homegrown and that's 15 different players who've made 24 appearances between them in six years and no one's made more than three starts. So 
the reason I want to talk to Richard is, you know, how do we go from that position where we barely have an academy player even featuring to bringing through our own homegrown players? So that will help me to understand that. But in the same time, hopefully it'll help the fans to understand that Richard's plugged in and that it hasn't, you know, it, it wasn't like Scott walked in last Friday and said, oh, by the way, Rich, next season, we're going to have to have five academy players jog on. You like to think these, you know, these discussions have been had. So I want to talk to Rob Edwards and I'd like to talk to Richard Johnson just to make, you know, just so that fans can see that everybody is working to the same blueprint. As for other interviews, I did say on Friday, um, you know, what's the chances of talking to Gino? And the message that came back was, yeah, we might be able to do that. Now, whether that's something I can do in the time I've got, I don't know. But, you know, I've asked and it wasn't like I was told absolutely not. I, I think it may be a case of, well, let's see what happens with the stuff that you did with Scott. And I would totally understand that because, you know, up until Friday, Scott had never met me. And, you know, you are judged by what you do in the same way that fans will judge Scott on the whether he delivers against what he says. He will judge me on how I treat what he said. Um, and hopefully, you know, so far, I've not yeah. I'm happy with it. But, yeah, it's all going to depend on time. I would, I would love to speak to the owner. Um, again, though, it would, you know, not because I'm being pushy, but it would need to be on the same sort of basis. I can't do interviews where I, there's a list of things you can't talk about. Yeah. Um, so it needs to be open and honest. But yeah, if the chance came up, yeah, of course I'd love to. And in, in, in answer to your question, I mean, there still is a lot of stuff to come. I think there's another seven articles that will come out over the next few days, one of which is about communication and talks about the supporters committee and, you know, the club, their view on what went right and what went wrong. Um, there's one about uh, Udinese and how transfers work, because I thought a lot of the thing I've seen where people say, well, you know, transfer a player to Udinese, we never get a penny, loan a player over there, we don't see any wages coming back. So I've asked about that, and I think people will find that interesting. I mean, one of the things there is, I'd, we were talking about it, and Scott said, you know, every transfer between Watford and Udinese, there is a fee, and it is paid, and it is audited, and I just blurted out, okay, how much did you get for... Gerard Delefeu. I'm not going to tell you the number because I, it wouldn't be fair because I think having done that work for the Watford Observer, but there no. will be an article that um, tells you what we got. Right. And I only picked that yeah. one because, you know, he was a, such a great player and, and one that, you know, I, I particularly liked. But um, there was always a, a, a theory that we didn't receive a penny or we didn't get what he was worth. So I've seen the value and um, <laughs> I, two people who do know are my sons because they immediately went on FIFA and said, yeah, that'd be about right for what he is. You know, he's <laughs> 94 pace and 97 dribbling. So, yeah. So that article about Udinese talks about how the deals work. And I, I didn't realise it, that the, the, the strictness comes on the Italian side where every transfer that in or out of Italy has to have audited accounts and they have to assess that the transfer value is, is fair and of market rate because a lot of Italian clubs are part of this sort of ownership groups, you know, there's a lot of Italian clubs where the owners own other clubs. And obviously the Italian FA are very mindful that you could just do deals where, you know, you're paying a pound for someone. So yeah, that article will deal with that. Again, people may read it and go, don't believe a word he's saying, you know, that's not true. That's fine. I, I can't make them believe that, but at least I've given them something to work from. And that's why I thought the Udinese thing was important. I'm trying to think what else I've written about. One one of the ones that is kind of you know again on the on the phone in stuff is uh, Ignacio Passetto because uh, he's, he's the example where did he come up? 
as a yeah, as a conversation. Lovely. So we'll. Look so I asked here about. Um, so with that one, I was more interested in. Is I, there a loan fee? Uh, I was more interested in who's paying his wages. That was okay. what I wanted to know because. I'd read a lot of people saying, well, when you like, you know, it seemed to be there was a feeling that the deal with Udinese was loaded. So that if we sold a player to Udinese, we got a pittance. If we loaned a player back to Udinese, we paid the wages. So um, I addressed the Passetto loan, uh, addressed the Delefeuille transfer. And I think Scott also talked about Samir and how that worked for us and how that worked for Udinese as well. So, yeah, there's an article that, Again, there'll be people that go, it doesn't go into enough detail, doesn't answer all my questions. Look, I sat there for two hours and I wrote 6,000 words. You know, I can't, you cannot be forensic on every single point. And there are some things, as I say, to do with finance. I've gone back to Scott and he's, he said, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll expand upon those points. We can't go, you can't go from naught miles an hour to 100 miles an hour without, you know, changing gear. And we've sort of gone from naught to about 30 or 40 miles an hour quite quickly. I understand that, fans would like me to go to 100 and you know I'd, i'll try and get there but 40 miles an hour is a lot quicker than zero yeah. um i can't remember there's a piece about the stadium and whether there's any plans to move there's a piece about ticket pricing i mean we, you know we're getting towards the sort of thinner end of stuff now but there's still enough that will last into the weekend and then while that's running i've been writing some other bits in the background so um because of the emergence of the fact that we want to use more young players i spoke to tommy smith today who obviously came through the academy and talked about what it you know does it mean a lot to a young player to be sat on the bench does it mean a lot to a young player to be traveling with the first team even if you're not playing why is it important to develop your own players and as he's got a son in the academy i could then also ask him are you seeing the changes is the ethos changing so it was great to get the opinion of someone who a was homegrown B is local and C has a first-hand experience at the academy. So yeah, that one, not sure. I haven't even written that yet. Um, like I say, you know, it's not a five-minute job. So when people say to me, could you not do that a couple of days a week and then do something else? No, no, you can't. This, yeah. is, this is a full-on job. But yeah, to go back to the overall thing with these interviews, if, if the fans have, have enjoyed reading it and if they feel more informed, that's what I set out to achieve. If they don't agree with it, if they don't believe it, if they didn't think I asked all the questions that I should have done, then I, I, I'm sorry, but I did the best I could. And I think I like to think that the, the openness and honesty that people questioned has at least been addressed in the fact that the, the chairman has sat down for two hours and let me give him a verbal pummeling and come back for more every time. And that he didn't have to do. He could have just said, I've never met you. I don't know who you are. No. So in that respect, I hope that fans who've been nice enough to leave comments and even the ones who've you know, left some less negative ones, uh, less positive ones, are of the opinion that at least it's been done and we've, we've got more than we had a while ago. And as much as people will praise me for doing it, I'd turn it around and say, well, I couldn't have done it if the club had said no and I couldn't have done it if Scott had been you know, less frank and, and honest and helpful. So if it's a start something good, great. That's, that's the main thing. I'm a fan. I just want to know what's going on and I want to feel connected to my club. And if, if I've played a part in that, that's brilliant, but um, it's not for me to take the plaudits. I couldn't have done it if the club hadn't have cooperated. You're absolutely right. Some people will have a negative reaction because it doesn't answer the specific 
minutiae of question that they will want to be. And it will be something along the lines of uh, loan fees for Passetto or, or, or something like, you know. But if the direction of travel is intent from Scott and the hierarchy of the club, I can think of very few people who I would entrust more than yourself based on exactly what Scott's basing it on, which is the quality of your output to, to do that. And to and to and to put to put these questions forward, I think I think everybody would 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 absolutely echo that. I think I've got, I've got to be honest about it is when you read those articles, there's very little of me in there. It's all Scott's words. So if people think I disagree, I disagree. What comes across is the fact that you are asking that pointed question, the fact that you are doing what, as you said earlier on, Ollie Phillips taught you to do, which is effectively investigative journalism and having the kudos to ring up and say, can I have that meeting? Can I get that two hour sit down? Because every single podcast that, that that we've kind of mentioned, et cetera, would all love to have done that. But for whatever reason, they haven't been able to do it. You absolutely have. And your love of the club comes across cross in exactly the way as you mentioned when we were talking around you know the difference between working for Watford and working for Charlton the love for the fact that this is the club and the underpinning motivation as to why you're having those conversations it comes through and I think that has come through and that's been why the reaction on social media has been I would suggest overwhelmingly positive there will always be some negative bits because we'll come back with it and it's such a good step in the right direction well I did say on Friday not not on the record when we were sort of having some small talk at the end that you know I didn't expect every single fan to like everything and I said to Scott you know I said, you might even want to not read the comments under some things because you can get hung up. Having done PR in the hospitality sector, we used to have a saying that there are 3% of people who, no matter what you do, will not like you. Um, and you can spend a lot of time trying to please those 3% or to change their minds. And if you do that, then you forget there's 97% of people who actually like you and you should probably spend some more time with them. So that's always a good mantra. But the phrase I use, which is a little coarse, but... I said to Scott, look, there are some fans that if you said you could shit 20 pound notes, they'd moan that they were creased. And that is <laughs> what I believe. Yeah. There are some people, it's never going to be enough. And I've, you know, there's a few of them have been debating with me on, on social media. And this comes to a point where I just think, well, you know, I just say to them, look, I think it's great. I think it's really healthy. You have a completely contrary view to other fans and you yeah. don't trust it. That, that's, that's what society's like. You know, we're not North Korea. We don't all just line up to clap. You know, you need some people who love and you need some people who hate and you need some who agree and some who disagree. And that's a healthy thing. And I think it's always good to have people who are checking the checker, if that makes sense. You know, yeah, yeah. if Scott is the final arbiter at the club, you need people who are keeping him on his toes. You don't just need people who clap. And to my point earlier, you know, what Gianluca Vialli did, he was someone who every now and then went, are you sure about that, Luke? Are you, you know, are you sure you want to sign Paul Ocon on loan on those salaries? But because they didn't, <laughs> He could just go on and do it. So I, I, you know, as long as people aren't abusive or rude, I, I will engage with them. And I, I've really tried on social media, and it has been hard because it has generated a lot of comment. But I've really tried to reply to people, even if it's just to say thanks for your comment. Uh, I, I'm not going to give opinions. Only I'll give opinions in as much as do you think he was telling the truth? Was he? Yes. I'm not going to say what I think about, you know, should we sign this player or that player? That's none of my business. I'm a fan. That's going back to me being a fan. My, my view as a fan is no more valid than anybody else's. But as a journalist, I can only say I sat opposite someone for two hours who gave their time up, answered their questions, never pulled any punches, never told me to shut up. Nothing was off the table. It's very rare you get that. So, uh, you know, that, that I hope people take it at face value. And I will continue to engage with people. 
I say, as long as they're not rude or abusive, if that happens, then I just cut them off. You know, I don't don't need to. Um, yeah, no, fantastic. I enjoy it. You know, I'm a fan at the end of the day. I like being involved in the conversation. You know, one thing I would say, and this is, if I was going to give one takeaway to fans, and I am a fan, and I thought about it a lot over the weekend, because I was very privileged. Don't get me wrong. I'm very privileged to have sat for two hours with a bloke who runs a Premier League, ex-Premier League football club. That is a privilege. Not many fans get that. All I'd say is if you're going to criticise and you're entitled to, I don't like in my professional life people who say, I don't like what you're doing. I wouldn't do that. That's not the way to do it. And then when you say, what would what you would do? You do? <laughs> do something better. You do, do something I, better. Yeah. I just don't like what you're doing. Well, if you haven't got anything better, that doesn't mean you can't criticise, but it's not very helpful. It's not, yeah. it's not going to help. So by all means, disagree. By all means, don't like. By all means, don't trust. But... Unless you've got a better idea, it might be better to hold counsel for a while, see what happens, and then give your opinion. Because, you know, when we when, when people sign a player, oh, I wouldn't have signed that one. Who would you assign? I don't know. I'm not a scout. I wouldn't have signed him. Well, then, you know, really, that's not a lot of use, is it? So, yeah. all I'd ask fans is just, people say, he's had, you know, the club's had a lot of time. Yeah, I know that. But if we are turning the corner and we are having a new culture and we are going to do things differently, it's not going to happen that we get up on Monday and it's all going to have changed. So if you don't like what you see, but you can't think of what to do differently or you haven't got a better idea, then just let see if what they do turns out to be good. Turns out, yeah. In October, we might be talking again. You'll be saying to me, Scott really mugged you off. And I yeah, don't I like a fool. <laughs> Hopefully, we're sitting here in October and everyone's forgotten these articles because they've been superseded by a brilliant start to the season or a good start to the season playing the football we want to see with players who want to wear the shirt and love Watford and a manager who we can see is taking spaces. If everyone's forgotten everything I wrote by September, then we're great. That's that's in a nutshell. Yeah. I don't really want to have to do these again. No. Andrew, there is absolutely no better place to stop than that. I think that's absolutely brilliant. Just thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for the effort. And I appreciate you just going, now it's just what I do. No, it's not because no, there's been a lot of people. There's been a lot of people since Ollie who who who've, who've just done that, and they haven't just done that as well as you have. So, thank you, and thank you so much for your time and your effort. I, I really appreciate that, and and I, I you know I genuinely do appreciate, it and I've appreciated every positive comment. Okay, well, Andrew, look, thank you so much for that. Um, we really hope that you've uh, enjoyed listening to uh, some of the stories behind the stories uh, that, that Andrew brought us both between 98 and 2003 um, yeah. as, uh, as Cos Manager and some fabulous stories about Graham Taylor there. And, of course, you know, literally man of the moment in terms of all of the outputs of the stories following interviewing Scott Duxbury and hopefully, hopefully improving that comms between the uh, the club and its fans. It sounds like there's some intent to do that. So let's hope it's a really good start. So we will uh, we will see you again soon and uh, we'll say, come on, you horns. Thank you, Andrew. You horns. Podcast Network. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. 
That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.